Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. We all said together, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Kingdom picking planning. If I can draw your attention to verse number 16 where Paul says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Part of the, what I love about this service today, and I, and I was in the back preparing and getting ready and listening to the worship and looking over my words, and there's just something about prayers that are effective. Something about the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous that makes something happen. If there's one thing that's going to happen when you come here is we're going to spend a little time praying for you. We prayed before you got here, and we're going to pray some prayers over you. I I love the prayers that were prayed today. I love when Pastor Tyrus prays. I I love the prayers that are lifted to God for his people. I love it when somebody prays for you like they care about you. I love it when somebody prays for you because they can acknowledge that there may be something that may have happened this past week that wasn't necessarily amazing. Even though we like to come to church and front and fake and act like we're happy and everything's awesome, the truth of the matter is life ain't that way. Life has a way of bothering you. People have a way of annoying you. Trouble has a way of trying to get to you. And the world is moved by fear. Fear makes people spend more money. And so we are constantly being told bad news. Can't read the news without seeing bad news. You can't watch the news without seeing bad news. And you can't live life without dealing with bad news. Soon as your phone rings and you look at it, there's a part of you that's hoping, I trust it. I hope this ain't no nonsense. I hope this ain't nothing ridiculous. I hope that there are certain people that all they bring to you is trouble. And a part of the battle of what it means to be a human being and a believer today is to hold on to your heart. Eggs cost way too much money right now. You've got to hold on to your heart. You can't even find eggs today. And all of a sudden, eggs that used to cost $3 now cost $7. The devil is a... You've got to... When there's a shortage on eggs, you got to guard your heart. Gas prices, guard your heart. Somebody tell you, China is floating balloons. They shot the balloon down over the Carolinas. Help us, Holy Ghost. Oh, they were checking us out. They must have been looking for world. Hope they were about to make a donation in Victory Park. They were checking us out. And they done shot this balloon down. 
over us. Don't let that trouble get to your heart. Don't let the trouble that they all talk about get to your heart that not enough black people, not enough black men, not enough black women, not enough this, not enough humans, not enough men, not enough trash workers. You have to guard your heart. The Bible says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I know we think that life comes from things, but life don't come from things. Life comes from within. The idea that life comes from without is a sad mistake to make because things can't make you happy. Cars can't make you happy. Money can't make you happy. A woman can make you happy for a little while in them little minutes, but after that, you got to face your life again. Life is full of trouble. <laughs> Jesus said, life is full of trouble. Jesus said to his, type, to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. And so let, let's just be honest for just a second. I'm going to move on. But for just a second, let's admit that we have to watch our hearts. We have to watch that thing that tries to grip us in that moment and fill us full of fear. We have to be careful that we're not more motivated by fear than we are by faith. They are the flip sides of the same coin. Faith operates in an expectation that better is happening. Faith operates in the expectation that God's about to move on my behalf. Faith operates in an expectation that I'm a child of God. I belong to the king. I belong to him. He made me a promise. I got a word over my life. I think I'm preaching in church right now. I think I'm a preacher. I think this is church. So I think I should hear something right now as I'm trying to say something to God's people about how God got something better for me. And just because it looks like this right now don't mean this is where I'm gonna stay that's what faith says fear says you always gonna be broke fear says you ain't never gonna have it fear says you always gonna be by yourself fear says you always gonna be alone and fear tries to inspire you to make fear-based decisions and speak only fears in your relationships and to your children and to your money and over your thing. And every time an opportunity comes, fear speaks louder than your faith. We got to break that right now. We got to break that cycle. And a part of why we practice faith in the kingdom is so that we can hear faith and get ready for faith. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. What does that mean, trust in God? What does that mean? Well, in verse 18, Paul says, ah, well, because our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them. He says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them. Meaning, whatever trouble you feel like you're dealing with, whatever trouble is in your face right now, God's not putting more on you than you can bear. And what's more is that your troubles are working in your benefit. 
They're achieving for you an eternal glory that outweighs them. I know troubles are annoying unless they're going to bring something to me that outweighs the trouble. I'm just preaching from what the word says. And so then Paul says, let me tell you how you guard your heart. Let me tell you how you're careful about your heart. Let me tell you what to do so that trouble can come to you but not get to your heart. Let me tell you what you can do so that you don't have to spend all your time drunk. Let me tell you what you can do so you don't have to spend all of your time high. Let me tell you what you can do so that you don't have to spend every second hitting on a vape pen. Let me tell you what you can do so that weed is not the only way you can sleep. Let me tell you what you can do so that you don't need drugs to sleep and you don't need weed to sleep and you don't need wine to sleep. I know I'm not talking to nobody but myself. Let me tell you what to do so that your heart can rest. Let me tell you what you can do so that you can have a peace that passes understanding, that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I wish I had just a couple of honest witnesses that could say, oh, Pastor Andy, can you please tell me how I can sleep without melatonin gummies? Can you tell me how I can sleep without taking a hit? Can you tell me how I can see my way through the difficulty that is life and have peace within and not worry about what's about to take place? Paul says, let me tell you how to do that. In verse 18, he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal it starts with you fixing your eyes are your eyes bad it's a good question are your eyes bad I'm sure I told you all the story about how I needed glasses and didn't know I always had great vision. And as I got older, help us, Holy Ghost, all of a sudden, never needed glasses a day in my life. But as I got older, things got foggy. Things got dark. I was complaining about the cables. I was wondering what was wrong with the HDMI cables on my TV. Everything was analog till I accidentally tried in on my son's glasses and the world got clear. I had bad eyes and was blaming it on everything else. Are your eyes bad? I went to see the movie. I think it was Han Solo. And someone said, what did you think of it? And I just was like, it was just so dark. It was dark in there. Could you see? (laughs) Folks were like, what are you talking about? It was dark. The problem is that when your eyes are bad, you don't see light right. When your eyes are bad, it looks darker than it actually is. I'm preaching to somebody besides myself. I'm going to get to my point in just a minute. Do you you see right? Do you see right? It's very easy for your eyes to be tricked. 
I don't know if you have social media. I don't know if you have that. I do. I don't know if you watch TikTok and Instagram. I do. Help me hold it up. I don't know if you watch any of that stuff, but lately I've seen quite a few videos on Instagram and on TikTok of women doing before their makeup and after their makeup. And it makes you marvel at the wonders of makeup and it makes you scared. Because it's incredible how somebody can start off. Mm. And when they're done, you're like, hey, they can start off ah, and end up ooh, simply. I sent it to my sons. I said, boy, you better watch what you with. Especially today. Let me move on. I'll just get on. What I'm saying to you is, what is bad about your eyes? One of the things that's bad about your eyes is your eyes love now. Paul is saying we fix our eyes. So we fix our eyes is an assumption that your eyes are broke. He's saying everybody got bad sight. And a part of the badness of your sight is your sight is more focused on today than it needs to be. Your eyes are in love with right now. Your eyes love to focus in only on the seen and not the unseen. Your eyes will trick you into thinking that the seen stuff is better than the unseen stuff. It is one of the reasons why we still need God. It is one of the reasons why we still need church. It is one of the reasons why we still need kingdom. It's, one of, it's a dangerous place to get to when secularism rules the world just insane as a result of secular thought once we lose god once we lose any kind of religious thought once we lose theology it becomes dangerous for everyone that's watching me for every z and every millennial that's wondering if you believe in god let me just caution you and tell you that a society without god is not a good society a society dominated by secularism is not a good society. And a part of how we know it's true is that we have now decided that there's 80 different sexes. Every other mammal has two but us. Now we got all kinds of options. And we want to let people make options who are eight. I'm going to get off it. Here's my point. My point is, is that... It, without a relationship with an unseen God, you start to lose the ability to see the unseen. What Paul is saying is, you got to be careful about being overly focused on today. If you're overly focused on today, it'll mess with your heart. So what we do is we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen because the thing that is seen 
is a temporary thing, but the unseen thing is an eternal thing. The minute it becomes seen, it's temporary. Now, if right now you see trouble, it's temporary. And if it's temporary, it's tolerable. The challenge of trouble is when it seems eternal. But you lift your eyes above what you see today and you focus on a thing unseen. It's called vision. It's called vision. It's not just sight. It's called vision. It's about having vision. It's about having a vision. When you meet somebody that has a vision, they're different. When you meet somebody that has vision, they're different. When you meet somebody that don't just see the now, but sees tomorrow, you want to be around that person. When you see somebody that says something to you about where you're going to be, you like to be around that person. One of the football games during one of the playoffs, I think it was the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think. Their coach said to them, and they, were, they had a losing record, and he said to them, we're going to be back here playing in Tennessee, and we're going to be playing to get to the playoffs. He said that eight games before that, even if they didn't get there, the fact that he believed they could get there make them like him. Let alone the fact that they actually did get there and did play to get into the playoffs because folk want to be around somebody that sees what other people don't see. The unseen is the eternal thing. Y'all got that? I said, do you have that? The unseen is the eternal thing. Don't be so focused on what you see that you miss the unseen. Once you accept that, it makes you see prayer in a different way. So when we go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, when we accept the fact that what God actually wants us to do is constantly be lifting our eyes above the now, then we understand that the call to prayer is greater very often than what we make it. Most of the time, what we pray about has to do with right now. <laughs> we say, Lord, help me with this child. Lord, help me with this teenager. Lord, help me in this layoff. Lord, help me in this difficulty. Lord, help me in this hardship. Most of our prayer has a tendency to focus on today because our eyes gravitate to now. But when you realize that the expectation of God is that you walk by faith and not by sight, when you realize that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, when you understand that God likes faith so much that even if you ain't perfect, God just like it. Even if you don't have it all together, God just likes it. When you realize that the children of Israel were kept out of, out of Canaan, not because of idolatry, but because they didn't have the faith to believe that God could take them beyond what they saw right then. When you realize that, gives you a different view on prayer, gives you a different perspective on prayer, so that when Jesus says, and when you pray, when you pray, he doesn't say if you pray, he doesn't say will you please pray, he says when you pray. When you pray is an assumption that you pray. 
Jesus is talking to everybody, his disciples, and his disciples aren't just the 12. It's a whole lot of guys. And he's saying to them, hey, guess what? When you pray, this is how you pray. That word prayer there is made up of two words. I'm not going to put the Greek word up there because it's long and it's complicated. But just trust me, I've studied the language. There's two words that come together that mean prayer. The first word is pro. And pro means towards. Pro. Pro means towards. The second part of that word prayer, which is pour you omahi, the pour you omahi means to pursue the journey, to pursue the goal. So what, what, when God says pray, what he means is when you lift your eyes above now and you look towards the goal, towards the plan, In other words, when you pray, you are not just praying, you're planning. When you pray means when you plan to move. When you pray means when you get sick of today and sick of now and you're so sick of now. That not only are you asking God to fix now, but the main reason why you're asking God to fix now is so that it can at least be solid enough for you to step to next. Not enough to ask God just to fix today and fix your old sitch and fix your husband and fix your marriage and fix your teenager and fix your job and fix your money. I understand the request to ask God to fix stuff. It may start with you looking at today, but the real way for things to be fixed is for you to move. We want God to move stuff and not move us. We want God to fix everything miraculously, and we could just sit right here and chill and not go nowhere. But just know, when Jesus says, and when you pray, in essence, what he's saying is, when you plan. Because praying is planning, and planning is praying. Praying is lifting above what you see and then calling something that be not as though they were, getting a good confession in your mouth, saying the same thing that God says, and actually have a plan for where you're going tomorrow. I would contend you don't really have a prayer life if you don't have a faith life. You don't really have a prayer life. Your prayer is just religious. You don't really have a prayer life if you ain't going nowhere. To really have a prayer life, you got to be planning, you got to be looking, you got to be dreaming, you got to be believing. You have a whole nother kind of prayer life when you are tired of where you are and you are determined to go someplace else. You have a whole nother kind of worship life when you come here worshiping God because you believe something's about to turn and something's about to change. Don't nobody have to beg you to worship God when you know you need him? 
Don't nobody have to ask you to forgive nobody when you know you need God. If you are right now waiting for a breakthrough, I don't know who I'm talking to. If you are right now waiting for something to take place, if you are waiting for a contract, if you are waiting for something to happen, if you know something, if you're, if this week coming, you have plans to not be where you are right now, you have a whole nother kind of hallelujah. You just do. You have a whole nother kind of praise. If you can sit in here and not say nothing, chances are you don't need God for nothing. But when you need God to do something that you can't do by yourself, when you are thinking to yourself, oh, this will be a miracle right here. Oh, I will give God the glory right here. When they used to say, if there be any praise, let it go to Calvary. It's a nice idea. But the truth of the matter is, if you really need the Lord, it means that you can't do it in yourself. And when you live like that... Your prayer life is different. Your praise life is different. Your church life is different. Your forgiving people life is different. Your spirituality is different. And Jesus says, for yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I know if you're like me and you pray the Lord's Prayer, we always pray that prayer as if we were talking to God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That we're talking to God and reminding God that the kingdom is his. And reminding God that the power is his. And reminding God that the glory is his forever and ever. Amen. And I like that. And I get that. And I give God glory. You start the prayer with giving him glory. And you end the prayer with giving him glory. But what if that's not all it means? If I could take a little liberty with the passage. Because in the NIV, the, the verse is separated from the end of verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then there's a break there. Because what if God is saying that the kingdom belongs to you and power belongs to you and glory is in your hands? What if the Lord is saying the reason why I'm telling you to pray this and the reason why I'm telling you to lift your eyes above what you see is because actually it ain't up to me as much as it's up to will you speak it. It's up to whether or not you'll believe it. It's up to whether or not you'll take a hand in it. It's up to whether or not you have enough boldness and courage to actually make a plan that not only will you bind on earth and I'll back you up in heaven and you'll loose on earth and you'll loose in heaven. What if it's more than just churchy spiritualness? What if it's the Lord saying, because what I really want you to do is I want you to acknowledge that you belong to me. I want you to acknowledge that you're my sons and my daughters. You got that? What great love the Father has lavished on you that you should be called children of God. You got that? All right, now, can you do me a favor? Can you say something to the world now? Can you break out of church and actually do kingdom? Can you dare to have a plan? Can you dare to have something that you dream? Can you dare to have something you believe? Can you dare to believe that your life, your hundred years can affect the earth? 
For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. For the Lord to say, I gave every one of you a little piece of me, and with that little piece of me, you ought to open up something out of your mouth. And guess what? When I hear it, I'll be like, yeah, I like that. That's according to my will. If you pray anything according to my will, I hear you. What's everything you desire when you pray? If you believe you receive them, you'll have them. Am I in the book? Am I in the book? That, that when we were taught to only wait on God. We were taught only God willing. That's all we were taught. Most of was, us were taught God willing. You would church somebody, you were taught God willing. Jesus tarry. When we closed out service, we said, see you next week, Jesus tarry. Meaning, if Jesus don't crack the sky this week, see you next week. God willing, we'll come together. Then I listen, the safest place, we all, all of us, especially us black men, the safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God, in the will of God. Though trials be great and the way seems hot, it's in the will of God. It may be on a mountain peak. Or in the valley low, but wherever, 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 wherever it may be. God said, go, you better go. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what else? You have to realize that your life is shaped by your will and your mouth. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. As much as it is the will of God, you know who else's will it is? It's your will. When you say, God, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, the Lord says, I like that. I like it when somebody surrenders. I like it when somebody puts hope in me. I like it because I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And the grace means that I'll back you now. When you play, when you pray, you plan. Now, beloved, this appeals to me significantly because I'm a planner. I don't know how many of you in here are like me and are a planner. There's a whole lot of folk that don't make no kind of plans. They just like to fly by the seat of their pants. And it's easy to just attribute all of that to the Holy Ghost, which hallelujah. But the same Holy Ghost, which can move you sporadically, is the same Holy Ghost that can show you something that's about to happen in years to come and give you a plan. I have a plan. I have a plan to move. I've always had a plan. I've always been a planner. When I think about where we are and where we're going, beloved, the thing I love about God is that he gives vision 
And then his spirit gives wisdom to operate what his spirit has enabled you to see. Part of my history, a part of World Overcomers history, Black History Month, is the first Sunday of the year, of the month. It's the first Sunday of February, a Black History Month. Can I tell you just a little bit of my history, a little bit of how WOCC came to existence? My history. I was born in poverty. I know there's a lot of us who were born broker than we are now. I was born broke. I was born broke. And, and, and I heard a comedian, I can't remember who he was, but he said that I was, I was raised broke enough to be poor around. White. My, I, I, I was raised just doing well enough to be poor around white people. That's how I was, that's I, I was born in a house where my father didn't make a lot of money. A lot of it had to do with the fact that he came from a people who believed everybody should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. So even though my grandfather was successful, he believed all of his sons should struggle. So I grew up with zips and checker pants. Zips was a sneaker. I didn't get to wear Adidas. My, I didn't get to wear Adidas. I was raised getting teased on the bus. I was raised with the struggle. I was born in segregation. Right when segregation was ending, I don't want to date myself too much, but just as segregation was ending is when I was born. And when I went to school in the first grade, I broke a color barrier at the school that I went to. There was actually an article about me. I was one of the first little black people they had ever seen. People want to touch my skin and touch my hair. And, and people thought all the stereotypes. People thought I could run fast. People thought I could fight. I went to a something and there was watermelon everywhere. And I was like, really? And they were like, yes, it's watermelon. And, I, and at the time, I said, I don't like watermelon. I actually loved it, but I refused to sit there and chow down on some watermelon in front of a whole lot of white people with my shoes off. I was just like, nope, don't like no watermelon. Because I was born in a world where there was an assumption about you. I was born when there were no helmets when you rode your bike. I was born in a world where you could go everywhere yourself when you were six. You had to be on the porch when the street lights came on. For many of you in the South, when the lightning bugs came out, you had to be back in your neighborhood. That's how I grew up. There were no car seats. Now you got car seats till you're 21. But where I grew up, there wasn't no car seats. I grew up in that kind of world, stereotypes and strife, racial stereotypes. I was, I was raised in Boston. There were places I just couldn't go. I was called the N-word more than I can remember. It just almost became a normal thing for me. I'm the oldest of eight children. I have no memory of not leading. 
Have no memory of not being responsible for somebody else. I got in trouble when the younger people did something wrong. Anybody else got that as a witness? I would be, I had to always be on the lookout for what my brother was doing. And I had a brother who was hell on wheels. I had a brother who thought he was Spider-Man and at two years old was trying to jump off of porches and trying to stick stuff in electrical sockets and trying, he saw too much cartoons and he thought he could get superpowers if he licked a, a, a plug socket. It was just, my life was constantly watching him. He's a wonderful dude now, but he was a terror at the time that I knew him. At 15, God called me to preach. To be honest, I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested in preaching. One of the main reasons why I wasn't interested in preaching was because my father was a preacher. And because my father was a preacher, people were always coming up to saying to me, you're going to be a preacher just like your daddy, ain't you? You know, you have to be careful just saying something like that to a little kid because you may be messing somebody up on their call. Because I actually was called to preach, but I didn't want to preach because so many people had told me, you're going to be a preacher just like your daddy. And I was the kind of person who wanted to have my own identity and be my own person and have my own name and, bra and blaze my own trail. And I didn't want my whole world to be dictated by copying somebody else. And so I ran from my call a long time simply because somebody dumb told me at five I was going to preach be a preacher just like my dad daddy it's not a good thing to do because you can mess somebody up from their call and you can also call somebody who ain't called and there's a whole lot of folks struggling to be preachers right now because somebody kneeled down on them and prophesied to them that they a preacher when they six and they ain't got all the first anyway let me just move on what I'm saying to you is I didn't want to be a preacher the other reason why I didn't want to be a preacher was because I went to church. I was there every week. Church was all day. I said church was all day. I said church was all day. You had to be there at 9.30 and service started at 11. 9.30 was Sunday school. And then 11 o'clock was service. You didn't get out till 3. You had to be back by 6. Added to the ushers with the hand behind their back, with the glove. That, that's where I grew up. And I grew up in a time when most of the people I saw in church were broke. I loved your prayer today, Tyrus. But I grew up thinking that God only worked for broke people. Because everybody that had a testimony, I was not impressed by it. No one ever got up and testified about a million dollar deal. No one ever got up and testified about their own company. And I just felt like church was a half truth. Didn't want to be involved in it because I felt like it wasn't really real. But after some near death experiences I'm running out of time I can tell you my whole story but after almost dying 
I just said okay to God. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a situation where you almost lost your life and then you just say, okay, God, you got my attention. I almost died twice before I was 16. I told the story here one time about me falling out the back of a van when I was 14 and all my skin peeling off because, and at the time, God was speaking to me about being a preacher and I was telling him no. Some folk are called and some folk are drafted. I draft everybody in this room into the ministry right now. God's got a call on your life. Somebody said, I got to get out of here. There's a call on your life. You can't escape it. After near-death experiences, I said, okay, I went to a very prestigious high school, but I, I forgo, I, I didn't go to the Ivy League colleges I was accepted to. I went to this school called Rama, and this guy, Kenneth Hagin, who was teaching everybody about faith. When I got there, I was still upset about being there, about the fact that I didn't go to Dartmouth, and I didn't go to Columbia, and I didn't go to the schools I wanted to go to, because God was making me go. I was upset about it, and I still wasn't so sure if I really wanted to be a preacher and then brother Hagen said something in the class that changed me forever he said everybody here is trying to get superpowers like gifts of tongues and healing and word and knowledge he said but the first gift of the spirit is called word of wisdom it's understanding the mind and plans of God he said and Basically, you all need to understand that wisdom is first because wisdom is the principal thing. In that moment, my eyes opened and I realized there was another way to do this kingdom thing and not just do a church thing. I realized then that I had access to the spirit and I had access to wisdom from God. And I started to pray a prayer of Solomon's. Instead of praying a preacher prayer, instead of praying a prophet's prayer, instead of praying a priest's prayer, I started praying a king's prayer. I started praying for God to give me a wisdom to judge a people too great to number. I started to ask God to give me a wisdom so that I could see things that I didn't, that I wouldn't, couldn't possibly know and couldn't possibly see. And God answered me and gave me some wisdom. It's just grown since I done got gray. But God gave me a wisdom at the time and God gave me a vision. And the vision that God gave me is what World Overcomers is. The reason why I didn't stay in Boston is because didn't nobody want that vision but me. Because when God gives you a vision, it may not fit with everybody around you. When God gives you a vision, the folk who knew you back when may not necessarily see your vision. And they may think you're crazy. And they may think you don't know what you're talking about. And that's all right. It just simply means it ain't for them. You have to be careful telling everybody your dream. You got to be careful telling everybody your vision. Because if you tell it to the wrong person, they will turn on you. Or they will try to disrupt your vision and tell you that you're crazy. You got to keep it to yourself. 
especially if your vision is bigger than theirs. I went to Oklahoma to work for my mentor. I told him my vision. He was like, that's all right, but it ain't for here. And I realized that the vision God gave me wasn't for where I was. It was for where I was going. I came to North Carolina in 2002. I moved here in 2003. Don't have time to tell you the whole story. I moved here in 2003, and I started World Overcomers, and my vision was balanced victory for the God-designed life, meaning this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, meaning that I don't want to just do church. I want to do kingdom. I don't want to just do church. I want to do kingdom. I don't want to just do church. I want to do something that impacts the area outside of just impacting it spiritually. We've impacted it spiritually, Tyrus. Tony, we've done some good stuff spiritually. And spirituality and Jesus and prayer and Holy Ghost will be the foundation of what we are. But it can't be the only thing we do. We have to do something more than just a church thing. We've got to also do a kingdom thing. We've got to move out of just doing church. And we've got to get our eyes fixed on something beyond just the spiritual. The spiritual is amazing, but we have to do more. The work that God is calling us to do has got to be more than just giving everybody a Bible. Bible's a good place to start, but it's not a good place to end. It's the beginning. You seek the kingdom first, but then after that, stuff's got to be added. This is how you lift your eyes above what you see just in the natural and you begin to focus on the unseen thing. Because the unseen thing is an eternal thing. And so, beloved, right now, here we are, first Sunday in February. We're 20 years old. We have done some amazing work throughout the history of World Overcomers. And we are now on the verge of doing something that's even bigger than just church work. The work that God is calling us to do together is church work and more. It's church, but it's also kingdom. And there is a call on us to do more than just praise God. There's a call on us to praise God and take territory. I just speak that over everybody right now in the name of Jesus. I really do. I want you to receive it. That God has a plan for you to take territory. That God has a plan for you to do more than you could ever ask or think. That God has a plan for you to lift your eyes above what you see and to focus on what is unseen. That God has a plan for you to do more than you thought you were going to do. And for you to go higher in him. Higher than just church. 
Can I speak that? Can I speak that? Higher in your prayer life than just church, that you actually get a plan. That you actually get a vision. That you actually receive a vision from him. That you actually say, Lord, I surrender to the plan that you have for my life. And God, I want you to speak to me about what you want me to do. It is hard for us to come together and do something together if you're not a doer individually. You need to be a doer for us to do something together. I want us to do something together, but, I, but the beginning of it is for you to start off initially being a doer in your own self. For God to unleash unnatural, supernatural, greater than the natural power in you. I, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I, I'm, not, I'm not even going any further than that. There was something I was planning on doing, but I, I sense the Holy Ghost right here. That God has something to do in you right now. Now I, I listen. I, we're 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 launching, and we're we we we're gonna we're we're talking vision, and Bob was supposed to be launching a cam- our campaign for the building fund. But you know what? I feel the spirit of God right now that this is it ain't about the church right now. It's about you right now. Somebody watching in the right now. Somebody in the room. There is somebody in this room. God is about to break something in your life right now, and you you have to be ready for it. I can't, I can't I can't be the only one with a plan. You got to have a plan. We got to you got to have a plan for your life. Because I, I want you to sow, and I'm going to take up the building for an offering, and we're going we're gonna to pledge. We're going to do it next week, Joe, because I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want, you to pl- I, I want you to see my plan and my vision, but you can't see it if you don't have a plan for yourself. You won't be able to see it. If you don't, if you don't have a vision for yourself, you won't be able to see it. You won't be able to come together with me. You'll just frustrate me because I'm trying to go somewhere. If you're stuck in Moses and I'm trying to be Joshua, we won't be in agreement with one another. You got to believe for greater right now in your own self. I speak it over the room right now. I speak dissatisfaction over the status quo in your life. You got babies and babies, babies. You know, deep down on the inside, you know God got something better for you than this. God's got something greater for you than this. And what has happened is we have unlocked potential in this room. I break the yoke off of the devil in the name of Jesus. And I speak life and not death. I speak faith to come alive. You have to lift your eyes above what you see and focus on the unseen. Because if you don't have a faith plan, you won't get my faith plan. I need you to have a faith plan. I need you to have a faith plan. I I need you to have a victory plan. We got to rebuke fear out of here in the name of Jesus.
we got to get fear out of here in Jesus' name. I don't want to do another thing while we're still in fear. Lord, I pray right now that you would break fear off of us. I pray, God, right now that you would unleash your power in us. I pray, God, that right now you would supernaturally empty us of fear and fill us up with the God kind of faith. Faith that calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith that moves mountains. Faith that steps on our fears. Give us faith. Give us more faith. Give us grace as the labors increase. God, give us a sight. Get, recover sight to the blind. Give us a heart of faith. Give us a mind of faith. Give us a vision. God, I stretch my hand to these. Everybody that's in the room and everybody that's watching around the world. And God, I pray that you give us vision. Speak to us in the night season. God, I've been asking this for a while now. Speak to us in the night vision, in the night season, and give us visions and dreams. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour it out. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Lord, we don't want to do another thing exactly how we are. Move us, then we'll move the world. Move us, God. Then we'll move our generation. Move us, God. Then we'll be able to bless the needy. Move us, God. Take us out of being needy first. Break poverty off of us first. Break our mindset off of us first so that we can be free to build your kingdom. Break us free, God, from just being church people. Make us kingdom people. God, I speak kingdom over every one of us right now. In the name of your holy servant, Jesus, God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform a miraculous sign and wonder. In the name of your holy servant, Jesus, don't just heal our bodies, heal our minds. Don't just heal our minds, heal our money. Don't just heal our money, heal our mentality. We are the sons and grandsons and great-grandsons and granddaughters and great-granddaughters and great-great-granddaughters of slaves. But God, break slavery off of us. Break the trappings of slavery off of us. Break the mindset of slavery off of us. Lord, fill us with purpose, not just pleasure. Lord, remind us that we are your people. Our ancestors marched for freedom. God set us free from our own lack in our own minds. Work a miracle in us. Work a miracle in us. I thank you, Lord God, for every king and every queen in this room. I thank you for every business owner in the room. I thank you for somebody that's working for somebody else and is about to work for themselves. I thank you, Lord God, for everybody that's picking for someone else and is about to start picking for their own self. I pray for everybody's side hustle. I pray for everybody's side business. I pray for everybody's work. I pray for everybody's dream. Pray that you would fulfill our dreams. 
for all of us who hate our jobs. God, I pray that you would set us free from slavery. I pray for our investments. I pray for our property. I pray, Lord God, for our inheritances. I pray, Lord God, that we'll leave an inheritance for our children's children's children. I pray for every man under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord God, that we would walk in purpose and integrity and intentionality. I pray for every woman under the sound of my voice. Lord, hear my cry, oh God, attended to my prayer. I pray for all of my sisters and my mothers and my daughters, the queens, God, I pray for these princesses. I pray, Lord God, that you would make faith come alive in us. Pray that this would be more than a church thing. I pray that this would be a life thing. Lord, we have wandered in the wilderness enough. I pray Canaan on us. In the name of Jesus. I pray Canaan on us in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that what our ancestors prayed for, we will walk in. I pray that what our mamas prayed for, we will walk in. I pray that what our grandmamas prayed for, we will walk in. I pray, Lord God, that we will see it in our generation. Somebody's got a deal. Somebody's got a client. Somebody's got a work. Somebody's got an idea. God, you about to touch it and bless it. Somebody's about to invest and it's going to turn around. Lord, we might as well trust you. Start us over, Lord. Supernaturally us. Empty us of our fear. Supernaturally. Empty us of our fear. Supernaturally. Empty us of our fear. I'll play it safe because we scared mentality. Set us free from the pleasure that we need for peace. Help us to know that real peace comes from you. Real peace comes from Canaan. And we'll praise you. Lord, we gather together and we ask you for so many things in church. But today, God, in this room, and for every room that's watching around the world, we're asking you, God, to set us free. You said, if my people who are called by my name would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, you would hear from heaven and you'd heal our land. Heal our land, God. Heal our people, God. Heal our nation, God. Hear our, heal our culture. Hear my cry, oh God, attend. Attend. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. My heart is overwhelmed for my people. It's another Black History Month. God set us free. Set us free. We're tired of burying our young men. Set us free. We're tired of our young women being alone. Set us free. Lord, we know what the problem is. Give us an answer that only comes from you. Heal our land. Unite us together. Give us a vision. Help us to work with one another. Keep our dollar in our community. God, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. We need a miracle. We need a miracle. America needs a miracle, but we need a miracle.
you are great. And I pray, Lord God, that it will start in this room. God, I pray that something will come out of the south. God, I pray that something will come out of this congregation. God, I pray that something will be birthed. God, I pray that something will pour out. God, I pray that the men in this room will not just work for somebody else, but hire people. God, I pray that the women in this room will not just work for somebody else, but hire people. God, I stand in the gap and I make up the hedge. And God, I intercede for my brothers and my sisters and my mamas and my fathers and my children's children's children. God set us free. Remove the yoke of slavery off of us and fill us full of yourself. It's not your will that we barely make it. As we launch forward into economic empowerment, God, I pray that your hand would be on us for good. And we'll walk by faith and not by sight. And we'll never cease to give you the praise. In Jesus' name. We all sit together. If you receive that anointing that I prayed over you, will you put your hands? If you believe, can you put your hands on it? Can you put your praise on it? Can you put your mouth on it? Can you say, Lord, that's going to be me. It's going to be me. Lord, I'm going to be the one that gets out of debt. I'm going to be debt free. Lord, I'm going to be the one that owns my own thing. I'm going to own my own business. I'm getting ready to get into property. I'm getting ready to get into development. I'm about to be the answer and not the problem. Be seated. Let me get you to give. Can I get you to give to the building fund? And we are on our way to Victory Park. And if you need an offering envelope, you can simply raise your hand. And one of the gatekeepers will come to you and give you one quickly. If you scan that QR code right there, it's donate towards Victory Park. Beloved, I need you to help me as we're about to launch something that's bigger than just church. I'm asking God to make you rich so that we can launch something that's bigger than church. I'm asking God to bless you exponentially. If you need an offering envelope, somebody will give you one. And you can make your checks payable to WOCC. You take a picture of that QR code. It'll take you to a place where you can give to the park and give to the vision and give to where we're going. We haven't got long to stay here. And, uh, and we have our property. I'm really going to talk about it next Sunday quite a bit and really get into vision. I planned on doing it today, but the Holy Ghost took over. And, and we got to make room for the Spirit of God if he has something to say. And and I really do believe that somebody received a deposit of God's spirit this morning and that something about to happen this week. Something about to happen this week. Somebody's, all, somebody's in anticipation for something to take place this week. Somebody's about to break. Something is about to break. And so, but you can take that QR code picture and uh, right now with your phone, it'll take you to a place where you can donate to, to Victory Park. Our Victory Park, if you want to know what it is, it's the, it's the future church. It's the future home of world overcomers. It's where we're going. We're going to have a sanctuary about this size, maybe even a little bit bigger. And, um, that, but the sanctuary is just a small part of what we're building there. It's going to be basketball courts. It's going to be a great big sportsplex type place that's going to generate its own income and also empower us to be able to touch the community. It's going to be a counseling center there because people don't need just their soul healed. They need their spirit healed. They need their mind healed. 
and we've been through difficulty and trauma and pain, and we've got we to gotta answer the sick soul that we have. And so we're going to counsel, but not only that kind of counsel, we're going to offer guidance counseling, and we're going to offer, offer economic empowerment opportunities and, and ways for our people to learn and be educated and build partnerships. It's just going to be a great big giant space and, and, uh, and, and something there for everyone. It's going to touch the community. It won't just be something that we access. It'll be something that our community accesses. It's less than three miles from here, so it's in this community. Not even in this RTP community, it's more in our community. You go down Miami and you take a left, and it's right down there. It's right around the corner. It's about three miles from here, and we're going to build something there that is worthy of God's name, and I need your help to do it. And next Sunday, I'm really going to talk about us coming together to do it. But right now, I need you to give your very best offering. Your tithe belongs to God, and your offering is what you give above and beyond your tithes. And as we give to the work of the kingdom of God, we expect a blessing. And you can't beat God giving. If you're watching around the world, just because you're not in the room doesn't mean we don't need your help. We are talking about the universal body of Christ. We all belong to him. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray for this offering. God, we just want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to give. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity that we have to sow. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be a giver. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity that we have to be, to be used of you, to give to something bigger than ourselves. Lord, we came together on Wednesday. We made pledges. And God, I thank you right now for the pledges that we made. I thank you, Lord God, for the time that we took. I thank you, Lord God, that we are now ready to give an answer in and to, and to make that pledge, Lord God. And as we move forward, Lord God, as we surrender to your will and to your way, God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us into that truth. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. And we'll praise you. What you do, what you say, you're worthy. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes, you just sit still for just a minute. And we're so glad that you were with us this morning. And so many things that are happening with us here at the church. And as we're moving forward, gearing up and, uh, and, and moving on towards what God is calling us to do. And uh, we've had quite a few inquiries and a lot of discussions about all the different pieces of the ministry and young adults ministry and college age ministry and teenage ministry and children's ministry. And, uh, and so we, we, we're, we've made some decisions around young adults ministry. And, uh, and so there's a young man who has been with us and has been faithful, joined us not that long ago and really has been operating really just as an intern, quite honestly, just as a ministerial intern, just running around doing everything as he is being used to God and anointed to God and finishing school and clearly God's hand is on him and the anointing of God is on him. And as we've been meeting together as a staff and talking about what's going to happen with young adults, we decided, okay, we're going to let this young man jump in 
and really began to really start doing some ministry, young adults ministry in particular. And so John Davis, come on up here really quickly, and we're just going to introduce you real quick. Y'all have seen John. Praise God for John. Y'all have seen John Davis, and John is... We've been using John all kinds of ways, his mouth and his anointing and his gifting, and he's been here now with us for about three years and shown himself to be faithful, and um, we're saying, okay, John, time to start doing some serious young adults ministry, and so you between the ages of, what do we say, 25, 35, 20, 22, 32, that's the, that's the age, and so uh, you're all are going to be hearing from John, and you're going to be seeing him more, and, and uh, we're pulling some serious plans together, and for what God is calling us to do. It's a good thing when it's not just one generation. Amen? It's a good thing when God is moving by his spirit. And, uh, and we're excited about that. And so, young adults, start being ready. You're going to hear from John. You're going to see him. He's pulling a team together. And uh, we're launching a young adults ministry that really is church-wide. And, uh, and we're going to be talking. We're going to be doing this more, talking to you more about youth ministry, talking to you about college-age ministry, and, uh, and all that God is doing in us. But wanted to take a second just to let you know that John is going to be doing young adults ministry. And so y'all praise God for him. All right. Jump on your feet. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to praise you for our time together. Thank you for your anointing that destroys the yoke. Thank you for this first Sunday. Thank you for this awesome crowd that came together. Thank you for the move of your spirit. Thank you that you have a plan for us. Plans not to harm us. Plans to give us hope in a future. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Cover us with your blood as we leave, as we go home. Everyone that's watching around the world, Lord, as we launch out into the deep and pray and plan, have your way in us. Thank you for the visitors that were with us today. God, as we always pray, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. God, you're our rock, you're our redeemer. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Give somebody a holy hug. You are dismissed. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.